We just wanted to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. As well as a happy Native American Heritage Day, which falls on Black Friday. And we hope that you all have a good holiday weekend. You're staying safe and enjoying your time. Happy holiday season. The book was better. Hello, everyone. And we're back. Better than ever. So close to the final. Well, I don't know about better than ever. I was just sick. Getting over it still. I I'm not sure if you can still hear it in my voice or not, but if you can, that is why. And no, it was not COVID. I did get tested. It came out negative. It's true. The COVID you get tested. test is the worst thing. I can't say the worst thing I've ever experienced because I have my children by C-section, but it was pretty dang awful to experience. <laughs> I cried for 10 minutes. Not because it, I, it just, I just wouldn't, I couldn't Fine. stop crying because you have to shove it so far up your freaking nose. It touches your brain. Or you never have to, or you don't get it, first of all, and then that you never have to have the test because it's not fun. Anyway. <laughs> I'm going to have to get a test when I move, so that'll be fun. Oh, yeah, when you move to Hawaii. Hawaii. Anyway. Um... Oh, yeah. Hi. This is The Book Was Better. Welcome. I'm Katie Clark. I'm Taylor Collette. And, <clears throat> see, sorry. See, I said I'm still can, I'm getting over it. Um, we are almost done with the Harry Potter series here. We are. Yeah. The penultimate the episode. Stretch. We are covering part one of the Deathly Hollows today. We decided that because it's two movies, we will do two different episodes so we can focus on each movie. And it's such a long book. And it's just, I don't want to say more fair, but it, it's almost like a cheat for us because now we basically, we don't have to narrow down our thoughts as much because we get to split it across two episodes and just focus on each yeah, movie. Yeah, we're, we're essentially getting a top six from this book. Yeah, basically, that is true. So first, first things first, right? We, we've got to do our, our lineup here for mm -hmm. the book and the movie. Gotta, uh, gotta so Deathly Hollows Part 1. First. Yeah, get the boring stuff out of the way. Directed by David Yates. And the screenplay was by Steve Cloves. So the same as the last book. Slash movie. Um, same director also as Order of the Phoenix, but Order of the Phoenix had a different screenplay. Um, and then this movie, we have Alexander Desplat. Should have looked up how to say his name. He's But he's a very well-known composer, like, for movies. He does a lot of movie scores. And I think he, I, I love the music from the last couple movies. So I think he does a really good job. Is that how you say his name? It's just, it's not spelled like Alexander E-R. It's spelled like Alexandre. So is it all, you know, it's spelled R-E. <laughs> and I overthink names. So anyway, 
part one covers roughly 400 pages of the book. It's essentially from the very beginning of the book all the way to the end of chapter 24, which is a little not unsettling. What's the word I want? (laughs) I don't know. Basically, the second movie, part two, only covers like 200 pages and 10 chapters. And the epilogue, so I guess like 11 chapters. But still, it's they cram like twice as much of the book in this first movie. To be fair, in all of the movies leading up to this one, the beginning of the book tends to be the part that gets cut out. So it follows that in this one, they cut out most of the stuff in the beginning, two thirds, because they really wanted to emphasize that final bit. True. And I guess we can talk more about that. We will talk more about that in the next episode when we cover part two. But I don't think it was a very fair. I mean, of course, you're not going to be able to split it perfect 50 50. Mm-mm. Like stop in the middle of a chapter kind of, thing, you know, and and I'm I'm with you. I know that they've they've always tended to kind of cut out the beginnings. And like I said, we can, we'll talk more about this in the next episode. But even with their want to focus and emphasize on like the final battle and stuff, they don't use their time wisely. And that can be frustrating, but we'll get into it. So, OK. So before I get to the synopsis, Belio, do you have any announcements, things to share, corrections Um, from previous episodes? Have we said we're on TikTok yet? Did we say that last week? Two weeks ago, whenever it was? I think we did. But yes, we do have a TikTok now. We are on TikTok. (laughs) And we're on Instagram. And we're also now on Stitcher. Yes, we're on Stitcher. Whatever that is. It's another streaming platform, another podcast platform. I'm not aware of that one. But yes, we're on that. We're on Pinterest. We're on Facebook. We're on all the things everywhere. So go check us out everywhere at TBWB podcast. And share with your friends. Yes. Peace. Please and thank you. But yeah, that's it. I'm trying to think. I had something that I wanted to talk about from the sixth one. And then I totally forgot it. So I'm real bummed, but whatever. Well, if you remember or it comes up again, then you can say something. I will. Okay, so general synopsis of Deathly Hollows part one is Harry, Ron, and Hermione... Don't go back to school for their seventh year. Instead, they basically go on the run and in hiding while they try and find Voldemort's remaining Horcruxes and destroy them. It basically covers them finding the real Horcrux of the necklace locket, destroying it, getting a kind of idea of where they can find another one. But they run into Death Eaters and all sorts of bad baddies. I don't know. Snatchers and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) The bad baddies. Um, And then part one ends 
with Voldemort getting the Elder Wand from Dumbledore's grave at Hogwarts. Yes. End part one, which again is the end of chapter 24, maybe into the beginning of chapter 25 a little bit. Yeah, it's like kind of a little bit. But that's what we're going to be covering today in this episode. So without further ado, we will get into it. Yeah. And I believe this week I start. Yeah. Okie dokie. So first off, I will say... I was very happy. It's been a while since I've seen, you know, part one and part two of the movies. Um, And I was pleasantly surprised with how accurate it actually is. Mm -hmm. I definitely was like, well, it should be. (laughs) It's the one they split into two movies. (laughs) Because it's split into two, it gave them more room to be accurate. Because, I mean, if you think about it, the seventh one, it's the longest, but like... Not by much. No, it, it, number four was huge. Yeah. And they did that in one movie, so. And number four would have been so much more accurate if they could have put it across two movies. Yeah, it's a lot of info to cover. And so I was, but I was a little bit worried because sometimes they make really in our opinion, right, or in my opinion, dumb decisions on what they decide to use their, like... Time for. I keep wanting to call it airtime as if it's, like, on the radio, but it's not. It's a film. So, like, what they decide to include in their running time. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I was still worried, like, hey, they have two movies now for this one book, but what are they going to choose to cut out or what are they going to choose to put in that didn't actually happen and we'll, we'll get to some of that but I did want to point out specifically that chronologically it follows like they didn't do a whole lot of like weird rearranging of timeline mm-hmm. pieces in this one which is nice they were really accurate like when you look at like the scene where well, I just I have a list of them. So where's where's my, where's my list? Where where is it? Oh, it's on my phone, which you're on. That's why. <laughs> Hold on. You can't see me for a minute. The ministry scenes were like almost spot on from what happened in the book. Mm-hmm. Like when they had to go into like how they like become different like ministry workers and sneak in and like the statue fountain being replaced with like the repression of muggle-borns and the magic is might and like all of that was almost straight out of the book which was really awesome to see Mm -hmm. the like the the scene at the Malfoys was also pretty accurate with I mean, they took some people out. They took some characters out, which I'm going to get to. But for the most part, pretty accurate. Same with like Ron returning and then finding the sword of Gryffindor. Like that whole thing was Mm -hmm. pretty spot on to the book. Um, Same with like them going to see uh, Luna's dad, Xenophilius Lovegood. Mm. Yeah, that was a good scene. 
like they did a really good job. The Godric's hollow scene, while they didn't do it like in the book, they do use Polyjuice potion, but that's a change that I actually like that the movie made. Like, I like that the movie kept them as themselves when they went to Godric's hollow. You get why they use Polyjuice potion. Like it makes sense. In the book, why they use it. I kind of like where they're all like, where in the movie, they still kind of throw back. I don't know how else to say it. (laughs) To the book when Hermione's like, I still think we should have used Apologies Potion. And then Harry says, I'm not returning to my, my only like home, like my first home as somebody else. And I don't know, it made sense to me. And that was something that... I don't know, I I kind of liked. I mean, they don't ever use the invisibility cloak in the movie, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they have it. It's one of the Deathly Hallows, but (laughs) that's neither here nor there. Well, it is here and there, and I'll talk about it later. But before we, like, like I said, like, they do a good job. It is split across two, so they do include more things. However, I'm still going to, you know, attack it a little bit. So just before I attacked anything, I did want to throw out there that I (laughs) was really impressed with a lot of what they did. And I really enjoy watching this movie. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely one of my favorites. It's one of my favorite movies by far because it's one of the movies where I could sit and watch it and just watch it. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, there are things here and there that I'm going to get to, (laughs) but like... I didn't like certain things wouldn't happen. Right. Or would happen and me go, um, what? Like that didn't happen as much or really at all. And mm-hmm. so they did a really good job. And I just wanted to throw that out there before I dig into it. <laughs> so. <Yes>. However, <laughs> um, one thing that really bothers me, and this is my number three, is the lack of the creature redemption arc, so to speak. Mm. Um, so they do return to, and again, that that part was all pretty accurate, right? Where they leave the wedding. They are just on the street, Tottenham Court Road, and they run into those Death Eaters in the cafe and they're not sure where else to go. So they like, okay, fine, I guess that we we have to go to um, Grimold Place because we don't know where else to go. And they were worried that, like, Snape or whatever could have been there or would have been there, but he, he wasn't and everything was fine. While they're there, they do, quote, unquote, use Creature <laughs> to find out what happened to the Horcrux, the real one, to find out well, it's quite where, an emotional scene in the book. Well, yeah, but and, and that's just it. So in the movie, it's just like they're not nice to him and they kind of like order it out of him. Like, where is it? What happened to it? And then he's all like Mundungus, the man Mundungus. And they're like, hey, go find him. And he begrudgingly goes to find him. Cool. It's it gets the story across. Whatever. But in the book, it's just this amazing thing where, you know, Creature originally did not like Harry, did not like that he had to become, you know, a servant for Harry. And Mm -hmm. 
in the move in the in the movie you don't see the transformation of their relationship and I, I I think it's important and the reason I really like it is just because of what it can mean um mm-hmm. in the book Hermione specifically kind of helps Harry see and understand that like Sirius had his flaws right <laughs> and yes. that Sirius didn't even try when he did come back to Grimmauld Place to mend a relationship with Creature or show Creature any sort of affection or appreciation at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, of course, Creature continued to just talk about his mistress and, you know, and Sirius's brother, Reginald, because... Regulus, not Reginald. Not Reginald. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Regulus, yeah. (laughs) I don't know where that came from. Um, But just because it was... I think I was mixing his name with Ronald. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know what Weasley. you did. <laughs> um, but now I lost my train of thought. Hold on. I'm getting back on track. <laughs> but he, yes, creature. The people, like he, he held them. on to those relationships where they were kind to him at all. Mm-hmm. And Hermione kind of helps Harry point this out. And it's like, because Harry keeps getting mad that uh, he keeps referring to Hermione as mudblood and ron as a blood traitor and just keeps yelling at him you know like harry continues to basically treat him the same way that sirius did and hermione well, and it's helps almost him. like a like a switch flips in his head like hermione like is like well you he likes him because they treated him nice and then harry's like oh and then he's like super nice after that <laughs> it's like he just yeah, well, needed the help it's nice too because because hermione helps him understand too it's like his owner's you know, masters, whatever, had certain beliefs. And that's why he believes those things. And if you want to help him think differently, then you need to be a better master and treat him better. If you want him to treat others better kind of thing. And it was, I just think it's a good learning moment and learning experience for Harry and Ron, because Mm -hmm. one of the big prejudices in Ron and Ron's one of my favorite characters like I love Ron but one of his flaws is that being born and raised in the wizarding world he and you see it throughout this book right because they run into house elves goblins um and he he just says these little comments that he doesn't see any harm in but you see the prejudice there of being a born and raised wizard in the wizarding world where he does maybe think kind of a little bit, even subconsciously, that wizards are better. Yeah. And well, I mean, they're it's, better it's than goblins. They're better than house how elves. he was raised. You know, it's just it, it's reflective of our own society if we want to get deep. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which is why like, I, I kind of wish it had been included there where it's like you can unlearn prejudice you can unlearn some bias yeah. but you kind of have to have your eyes open first to that bias um i don't know i just really liked that yeah they basically instead of just ordering creature around all the time harry then starts still like with a command but asking nicely and saying please and saying thank you and suddenly creature stops moaning and the house is clean and it's so precious 
he cooks for them and the food is really mm-hmm. good and and he you know does the laundry and he, he basically becomes like a happy house elf again and is really helpful and when they ask him to go find Mundungus he does so like willingly because they're like we're gonna do this for your previous master we're gonna we're gonna finish what Regulus started where he wanted to destroy it we're gonna do this in honor of him Harry gives him the fake locket and he practically like has a breakdown because he's just so honored to have a black family heirloom. Mm-hmm. An artifact from his. Pre- yeah. And it's. It's just such a turnaround. And. And then in the movie, so... they have Dobby show up at this point and Dobby doesn't help yeah. creature find Mundungus or bring Mundungus back. And I think I know why they did that, because as we all know later, spoiler alert, Dobby dies and yes. to make Dobby's death more impactful in the movie, I think they, they felt like they needed to include him in more places because, as we know, they cut him out of previous movies where yes, he should have been. I'm going to I'm going to get into that later. So, I have a whole spiel on that. Um, but it's especially the part that is so sad in the book is when after they do the ministry thing and they go back to Grimald Place and then they have to immediately leave again, you know. Um, they are so cut up because Creature was like making them soup for when they got back. And he's like, don't worry, when you return, I'll have dinner ready. And like, (laughs) except in his low Creature voice. like. (laughs) Then they couldn't go back because that one Death Eater got in. So then they had to leave and they couldn't go back. He's a pretty bad Death Eater. And 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 the reason it was like, they had, um operated with him beyond the Fidelius charm, which is why yes, he could they couldn't go back. get in. Like, And you're just so sad for Creature. Because <laughs> they're then afraid to summon him because they're afraid that there's a Death Eater there who will get, you know, do the same thing that Yaxley did basically and like grab hold and operate with him to figure out wherever they are. And it is, it's, it's sad. Cause then they can't really even explain to him. Yeah. They can't tell him what happened. He just knows they never came back. And yeah. that's so sad. <laughs> so yeah, like he, that's, that's my number three. I, I really wish they had kept the redemption arc. They didn't have to include all of it. Cause like in the book creature tells them the entire story about well, and that's something I wish Creature that was the they one had that had went. more. Yeah. They, they, Creature's the one who went with Voldemort to place the Horcrux in the first place. Yeah, Creature and is the first one that drank that awful potion, potion and almost died. And then he went back with, um, Regulus. with Regulus. And basically, because Regulus ordered him to... Basically let Regulus die. And then he couldn't tell anyone about it because Regulus told him not to. Yeah, and it was just, yeah, it was just really. It was rough. But it was also interesting to see a little bit of why. Well, and, and to how. hear more about and And Regulus. Voldemort's prejudice was huge because it's like elf magic is different than wizard magic. But Voldemort would have never thought to put up protections or anything against elf magic because he would believe he believes elves are so much, you know, they're so below him as a wizard. So 
wizards can't operate in and out of that cave where he hid his um, horcrux, mm-hmm. but house elves can. Yeah. So he could just operate right out and operate right in. Like, yep. <laughs> so anyway, that's 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 all I'll say about that. So what is your right. number three? My number three is oh, which one was my number three? <laughs> Hold on. I'm mixing up my number two and my number one. I mean, my number three. OK, yes, that's what I thought. All right. So mine is like a kind of a combo of two things. But they're like those two chapters that essentially got totally left out of the book. I mean, out of the mm-hmm. movie. So the first one is so in the movie, we kind of see how Hermione is like making things work. Like we see her, you know, pointing her wand at her parents and like you kind of like figure out that she you know, erase their memories and they're in Australia now. But in the book, you get to you don't see it happen, but you hear Hermione talk about it, which is really sad. And then you hear about how Ron's making it work. And mm-hmm. Ron in earlier on in the series and like the first one, you will learn about the ghoul that lives in the Weasley's attic. And so they have enchanted the ghoul to look like Ron with this disease that I can never pronounce. Spattergroit? Spattergroit. Yep. Which <laughs> That's is also like, like s- highly contagious. Yeah. Which ensured that any ministry people that came to check wouldn't get too close. <laughs> yeah. So they were going to have the ghoul come down and live in Ron's room and stay in his bed so that if people came to check, because something that... I don't think the movie made abundantly clear. It is it was made required by the ministry that you go to Hogwarts this year. In the past, yeah, it's been no, like that a wasn't clear in the movie at all. Yeah. So in the past, it's been like a choice. But this year, they're like, no, everyone must go to Hogwarts. So when Ron and Hermione inevitably don't show up, they're going to start asking questions. And so Hermione's parents are in it Australia. Makes sense. They're fine. And it makes sense but, for Hermione because she's muggle born. Muggleborn. To not so, show up. But the Weasleys are a pure blood family, so they're going to come calling and be like, why isn't Ron at school? And they can be like, he's up there with a serious disease. Careful, it's contagious. <laughs> yeah. So it's really quite an ingenious plan on Ron's part. Um, so, I mean, I... It to show the lengths that Harry's friends took to, to be able to go with And them. the sacrifices they made... To Mm -hmm. go with him, to help protect him, but also help protect their families. And yeah, the movie, again, for whatever reason, shows the sacrifices and and things that Hermione makes, but not not Ron. Ron. And again, it's like Ron is Harry's best friend. (laughs) So, yeah. So that's part of it. And then the other part is... They totally left out. And again, with the whole ghoul thing, I'm not expecting like the whole chapter on it. But I think they easily could have included like just a glimpse, just like we got of Hermione. Yeah. Just to like make it even. But it doesn't make sense that they didn't really. So no. Anyways. (laughs) So then the other thing is they totally left out Harry's 17th birthday. Right. Is a big deal because like. 
I know for us, it's not like when you turn 18, you're an adult. But in the wizarding world, when you turn 17, you can use magic outside school. You're considered like an adult and it's a big deal. And well, not so to mention that that's when Scrimgeour originally comes to discuss yeah. Albus Dumbledore's will. It's not he during the, the a wedding. Birthday. He doesn't crash a wedding. <laughs> he crashes no, he a crashes birthday a party. Birthday. <laughs> um, and so there, Harry like doesn't want to make a big deal out of it because it's like the day before the wedding or whatever. So he's like, you know, nothing big. And so they invite Tonks and Lupin and Hagrid and they have a party and Mrs. Weasley makes this snitch cake and then Mr. Weasley sends a Patronus that says the minister's coming with me and then Tonks and Lupin like dip real fast because he's a werewolf and they don't like werewolves so that he's like we uh get out of here and then he shows the up prejudice is real yeah and then Scrimger shows up does the whole will thing and is like, is there a reason that your birthday cake is a snitch? And, and Dumbledore <laughs> left you a snitch? A oh, yeah, because that's the other thing that they just kind of like gloss over in the movie is the fact that Scrimgeour like interrogates them when yeah, he's giving like them their hardcore. stuff. And he originally wanted to do it like one at a time so that he could like, you know, see if there's any lies across their stories or whatever. And and they'd, they'd already have confiscated all the things for like the 31 day time, which is like they shouldn't have done in the first place, but they did. And like they were doing all this sketchy stuff. And Hermione's like, because that's Hermione, bold. who has read every book ever, <laughs> understands and knows the wizard laws around yes. wills. And she's all like, you have to give us to us, give them to us now because it's been 31 days. And because you didn't find any evidence of dark magic or dark arts, you have to give them to us. But you also didn't have reason. And she like goes after him and he's all like, are you pursuing a career in law? Like, <laughs> Yeah. She's like, no, I'm just smart. <laughs> She's all like, no, I want to do something that'll actually make a difference. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so then he like asked if like the snitch is a cake and Ron and Hermione are like, oh, I don't know, maybe because he's good at Quidditch. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> he was the seeker for the Quartz Gryffindor team like yeah, every like, year. <laughs> and so it's like that whole scene is just kind of downplayed from what it really is. And like Harry's birthday in general is left out. So you don't see him getting his gifts. You don't see the, the scene with Harry and Ginny, which oh. is so awkward in the movie that weird. I mean, don't get me wrong. So awkward. George is George is hilarious. <laughs> like, but in the book, it's Ron that walks in on them and it's, t- oh, it's and just a totally different ticked. scene. It's yeah. There's no like, different zipping. Scene. There's no zipping up the dress. It's essentially Ginny invites Harry into her room and she's like, I didn't know what to get you for your birthday. So let me make out with you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because she's all like, I know you're going to be leaving. I know you're not going to have a lot of space. So I didn't want to give you something like heavier. I didn't want to give you any item that you'd have to then carry with you. So instead, I just wanted to give you something to remember me by. (laughs) Yeah. And then she just starts kissing him and he's like totally into it. And the only reason they stop is because Ron person all ticked and then he like like, chews harry out (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is very interesting because it definitely and like hermione's kind of more on harry and Ginny's side like she's like look she's all like awkwardly (laughs) behind ron like sorry sorry (laughs) yeah 
I tried to but stop like it's, him. <laughs> it's a very interesting dynamic that you get to see. And it really shows that Ginny is still in love with Harry, but she gets it. Mm-hmm. Like she's very understanding of the situation. And like Harry kind of lets slip like what they're doing. And Ginny's like, OK, yeah, I thought so, but I'm not going to stop you or anything. because She's like the best. And so I just would have preferred that so much over the awkwardness that we got in the movie. And yeah, it just wasn't. It was not great. So no. (laughs) So, yeah, those that's my number three. They're not big things, but it would have been nice to have even just a little bit of them in there. Right. Well, and again, it's like you included the scrimgeour scene. Mm hmm. Why not include it at the right time under the right circumstances? Or at least have him be like more interrogative, like angrier about it. Yeah. Well, but also there's like the movie opens like with some weird like ministry speech thing, which isn't a thing. Yeah. In the book at all. So that's what I'm saying where it's like instead of including actual scenes that mean something to the fans and the audience. They cut them out and then use screen time for these scenes that I don't think really helped set anything up. I feel like they could have very easily have opened the movie the way the book opened, which was jumping immediately into that scene at the Malfoy's house. Mm-hmm. Um, with, you know, Snape arriving and and talking yeah, about I think- the plan. It would have been just fine. Maybe they, they thought didn't. it was maybe they thought it was too similar to the sixth. Which shouldn't matter, but <laughs> no. But yeah, so that that's why again, Finn, this movie is still very fun to watch and I still really enjoy it. And I do think they did a really good job with it. But they mm-hmm. still made decisions like that that again, I know I'm not a movie producer or screenplay writer or anything, but I don't understand why you would make the change like that kind of change yeah and include things that didn't happen and don't mean anything and then cut out scenes that fans would have really liked to see so yeah anyway so yeah that's my number three Mm, okay well that jumps right into my number two which is the cutting out of key characters (laughs) there you go so what 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 do i want to start with I mean, I guess the the big one I would say is Dean Thomas. Mm. Um, so good old Dean. In, in, in general, they entirely cut out. So in, in in place, so blah. Okay, let me start over. <laughs> in the book, they only run into slash see snatchers when the snatchers find them. Yes. And when Ron talks about running into Snatchers. And it's never super made clear who or what they are. Yeah. And in in the movie, they like see Snatchers with people and they're like, well, at least your charms work. In In the book, the reason they know that Hermione's protective charms work is because they see other refugees, for lack of a better word. Like other people who are on the run because their blood status isn't pure enough for the ministry, which has fallen and is now under Voldemort's rule. So they're 
they hear noises and voices and whatnot, right? But yeah, they are under the protective charm. So the voices and the people they hear don't know they're there. But those people are Ted Tonks, which is Tonks's dad, Nymphadora's dad, mm-hmm. Dean Thomas, um, another wizard dude who I don't know and isn't really important. So I don't remember his name <laughs> and a couple goblins. And I think this could have been and would have been a lot more powerful Instead of them just like glimpsing some snatchers um, Mm -hmm. because they overhear them talking. They use some extendable ears to overhear them and and they kind of understand it gives them a glimpse of what's happening. Well, because something that they don't make super clear in the movie either is how much like muggle-borns are being discriminated against and like the fact that they're saying that any muggle-born who doesn't have like some kind of record of a wizard in their family must have stolen the magic and they are illegal even though there's no way to do that even though there's no no way to steal magic nonsense total bs but yeah And it's, like, really sad. Like, Harry thinks about, at one point, all the 11-year-olds who are, like, looking at their books and getting their wands and are so excited for Hogwarts and are never going to go and may never see their families again because they may get freaking arrested at 11 years old. Like, it's so sad. It's, it's, the movie downplays a lot of the, yeah, like, the, the horrors and, and like grimness of of the situation, which again, I, I understand they still have time constraints, even with splitting it across two. And that more abstract stuff is kind of, it is, it's harder to, to display. But it I just is, think seeing Dean here would have been a lot more powerful. And then also when they do finally get, you know, caught by the Snatchers, something that the movie doesn't really make clear is... How, like, originally when they're on Tottenham Court Road, the Death Eaters found them, how, you know, how. How they keep getting caught. How they keep getting caught and how others get caught, right? That they they always seem to find, you know, Voldemort's highest and, like, top enemies, I guess, for lack of a better word, like, order members and things. Mm -hmm. And that's because they literally make the his name, Voldemort, taboo, where if you say his actual name. They will know exactly where you are. And because Harry has always not been afraid to say it, that's why they were found on Tottenham Court Road. And that's when they and that's how they're in the book found by the Snatchers is because in like the heat of the moment and in his anger, Harry says Voldemort instead of he who must not be named, which Ron does get him and Hermione to start saying once he finds out that it's taboo. But in the heat of the moment, he forgets. Hermione also has been saying Voldemort. And a lot of the Order members, because Dumbledore was the one who originally said it. And I think that with Harry and Hermione saying it. Fear of the name, like it's stupid. Only increases (laughs) fear of the thing itself. And so it like makes sense that who would be saying the name Voldemort? Oh, maybe the people that don't like him. (laughs) Yeah. like So, um, but when they're caught by the Snatchers, they're brought over to other people people like other refugees or whatever who have been on the run and dean is one of them (laughs) yeah and so when they escape from the malfoy's cellar they do end up rescuing Ollivander and luna but they also rescue dean thomas like dean Mm -hmm. is with them too um which i think 
Dean has been in the other movies. They didn't have to yeah, cast they somebody still had new. The actor. <laughs> like they could have included him. And again, I feel like that would have been more powerful than that. And he was a black scene. character. Yeah, let's add some diversity. Um, so that's one. Another one is we still never see Charlie. This is oh Charlie. Poor Charlie Weasley exists but is never seen. Um, He's so dope. And then also along with that, Bill and Floor have a bigger role mm-hmm. in the the book than they do in the movie. Like, yeah, there's their wedding. But then like when Ron leaves, he doesn't go home because no. he doesn't want, you know, the because he, he has been confirmed to have spatter goit or whatever. Right. And also he would have been way too ashamed to go home and say like, yep, I ditched him kind of thing. So he oh, goes yeah, to Bill and not Floor's. Have gone well. No, he goes to Bill and Floor's cottage because Bill's the oldest brother with the most maturity, I guess. <laughs> and he basically yeah. he, he the way Ron says it, he's like, Bill's always been nice to me. So while <laughs> he was still disappointed in me, like it was nothing compared to what Fred and George would have said, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But that's where he goes. And they he gets a bunch of information from Bill and Floor, especially because Bill, you know, was still working for Gringotts. But then also when they escape from the Malfoy cellar, that's where they go. They mm-hmm. go to Bill and Floor's. Which you get. You do see them, don't you? Or is that in the second? Not movie? in this one. Maybe in the second movie. Because I didn't want to get confused. Yeah. I did not watch the second movie yet. And I I've only focused on part one. So maybe they do open. I think in the second you see them like in the background at the cottage. Okay. But like Floor patches everybody up, like uses Skelligro to help like the goblin. Yeah, she's like really good. Legs and um, <laughs> helps mend Hermione because Hermione's in way worse shape in the book than she is in the movie. Oh, um, yeah, it's bad. Because Bellatrix's torture was way worse. They really downplayed it. Um, Which I understand why, but. Yeah, I do too. But it would have been, again, it just would have been nice to see. Um, And then, so Bill and Floor, yeah, they're kind of there in the wedding, but uh, they're in the book a lot more. Um, Mm -hmm. Lupin is in the book a lot more than he's in the movie. Um, But I think, are you going to talk about that? Oh, yeah, that's my next one, so more so yeah so i won't go into that too much but then there's just and and again it's not like they entirely cut things everybody out because in the movie you do still kind of see voldemort like talking to grindelwald and Mm -hmm. and stuff um Mm -hmm. but there's just a lot more in the book um victor crumb is at the wedding in the book, he's not in the movie, and I think there he's might be a deleted the first scene. one to point out like the Deathly Hollow symbol and kind of bring it to Harry's attention, as well as um, he remembers that Grindelwald is the, you know, the one who made Crumb's wand because Ollivander is big in the UK for wand making, but there are other, you know, wand makers in other countries, obviously. I so, think there's a deleted scene that shows crumb at the wedding but i don't he doesn't I don't like know because for whatever reason stuff once like movie four or five 
comes around, they stopped including deleted scenes on the special features on my Blu-ray discs. Oh, I don't know why. That's them. So, whereas I used to always go and see the the deleted scenes, they, they don't have those on these ones. So seeing a um, a picture of like I just remember seeing a picture of Victor Crumb. I'm googling it now. It, but it could have easily been a fan edit if it was just a picture. Hold on, I'm I'm looking. No, no, no. This is this is real. This okay. so it must have been a deleted scene or something. Cause yeah, it shows them Hermione and Victor Crumb dance together, and there's like a picture of Ron looking all bummed out in the background. Dang, Victor looks good. <laughs> <laughs> Victor looked good in this one. Yeah. So. I know that they couldn't include every character, right? Because, like, yes, also in the beginning, scene. Snape Snape doesn't arrive at the Malfoys alone. He's with a different, another Death Eater. Yeah. Um, there's a bigger emphasis on um, his name just left me. Um, what is the werewolf guy's name? It's gone. Fenrir Greyback? Yeah, Greyback is, like, one of, like, the head honcho um, snatchers in the book, but in the movie, yeah, I just, think I think he's there. But they like put the emphasis on this other dude, and which doesn't make sense because Fenrir is like in charge, large and in charge. Yeah. So, and turning people into werewolves left and right, and eating people like he does. Yes. So, anyway, that's that was that's my number two. Hmm. Just especially those characters that they had already cast. They were already there. <laughs> they were probably happy to sign the contract. <laughs> Why wouldn't you include them? <laughs> and again, it just has a have, in some of the ways they would have been included and should have been included. I think it would have had a heavier impact and just mm -hmm. portrayed things a little bit better, especially because Ted Tonks ends up dying. And it's just like one more death that um, in the book, that's where Harry originally goes. They don't go straight to the burrow. They each go, you know, each of the seven Harrys or whatever goes to a different like safe house first. And then they Which all port key to the burrow. Way more sense. Yeah. Um, and so Harry, the actual safe house that the real Harry goes to is Tonks's parents' house. So he meets yeah. Ted and it's just different. And, and and better so my phone just died my phone just died my phone was also about to die so <laughs> cool okay well let me get my headphones back on and okay um i said all that i had to say so okay Cool. We can just move on to your number two. Okay. Lego. Um, hold on. Let me just shrink you a little bit. Okay. Just needed to make sure I was still recording. <laughs> okay. So my number two kind of goes off your number two. Um, and it's about the total disrespect done to the Lupin Tonks household family <laughs> <laughs> so there is in my opinion a very important scene that happens in the book 
that is totally cut out of the movie. And that is when they're at Grimmauld Place. Um, and they're, it's while Creature's still out looking for Mundungus. So they're just kind of like hanging out waiting. Because yeah, it takes them three days. Yeah. And on one of those days, someone shows up at the place and they're like freaking out. And then they find out it's Lupin and they're like kind of talking with him. He gives them like an update on everything that's going on. Like uh, they're all being followed and like, you know, but everyone's safe. And then he goes on to kind of be like, I know that you have this mission from Dumbledore and you can't tell me what it is. But like, could I come and help you? And Harry's like, hold up, hold up. <laughs> what about your wife? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's and like, he's, wait, what about Tonks? It's like, he's, she's at her parents' house and it's like. Uh-uh. That, okay. That's us. Like, hold <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> and then Lupin finally reveals that Tonks is pregnant. And they're like, congrats. And he's like, no, this is terrible. I shouldn't have passed all my genes. Like, he's going to be a werewolf. I made the biggest mistake. I shouldn't even have married her in the first place. He's like going on and on. And which when he gives his reasoning, like, I can understand why he would feel a little guilty. Because basically by being married to a werewolf, everybody in the wizarding world, once they find out, basically ostracizes her as well. But this yeah. is freaking Tonks we're talking about, and she doesn't care. <laughs> no. And there's no guarantee that the baby will have it. And he does say, he's like, and if he doesn't have it, it'll be a blessing for him to not have me in his life. And Harry goes off. off. Because, <laughs> well, because Remus specifically even says, can you, like, if I come with you, like, James would have wanted me to, you know, come and help you. Yeah. And Harry's like, I don't think he would have. I think he would have wanted you to stay with your own kid. You freaking coward. And he chews him out. He goes hard. Yeah. And Lupin actually just storms out. Um, not and even and just storms out. He freaking throws a. Oh, it's true. Knockback he, jinx or something at Harry first. Yeah. He like knocks Harry out and then he runs out. And Ron and Hermione are like, uh, dude. <laughs> that was you a bit much. said that. Yeah. <laughs> And Harry's like, maybe I shouldn't have, but isn't it worth it if he goes back to Tonks and is there for his son? And it's well, like... Well, because also, yeah, in the movie, you don't even... In, know no, about that Tonks Teddy. is pregnant yet. No. And so it was like, on the one hand, it's upsetting because, yeah, you don't figure out this important thing about Lupin and Tonks who, spoiler, you know, they end up dead. Kind of an important thing, which I'll get into later. Um, but... It also, I feel like, was very good for Harry's kind of character and, like, you know, his perspective where he, and it even talks about in the book, he has, like, the flashbacks of Sirius falling through the veil, Dumbledore broken in the air, uh, the green flash of light, and, like, all of these yeah. parental figures in his life have left him. And he says a parent shouldn't leave his kid unless, like, they have to. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you're so yeah, right. It's, it, it's a little different. So. Um, well, and also and so, it, it does it. It makes a bigger impact. Like later on too, when Ron, you know, through staying at Bill and Floors for those couple weeks before he um, finds his way back. 
you know, learns more about. And he's all like, oh, yeah, Lupin and Tonks are back together. She's getting real big now, like going through with the pregnancy mm-hmm. kind of thing. And you you see more glimpses into their relationship through that, too. That just makes the loss a lot heavier at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So that was definitely one scene that I really wish had been included just because I thought it was very powerful and it gave you a good glimpse into this other side of Lupin and his complicated relationship with Harry and Harry's complicated relationship with parental figures. And I just (laughs) thought it really helped with character development in that sense. Well, not to mention that it also his visit gave reassurance to Ron because they, mm-hmm. they kind of hinted this in the movie. Um, right. With like Ron listening to the radio and things, but like, yeah, he's the only one that has like real skin in the game, you know, like his yeah. family, he's got, and you know, he's got a big family. He's got lots of family members who are attached to this. Like a ton of them are members of the order of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And he, didn't know what happened after that at the end of the wedding. Really? No. You know, they get a Patronus um, message from his dad in the book that you don't see in the movie that basically just says, like, we're all OK. Don't respond. Boom. Like, yeah. Um, so Remus showing up and giving a little bit more detail was reassuring to everyone to know that, like, everybody was truly OK. Mm-hmm. You know, where they went, who's in hiding and who's not kind of thing. Um, yeah. Which which is also you know, further insight into the other characters too. And, and again, it's just, I know they couldn't include everything, but, but a little bit more of that would have been nice. (laughs) Yeah. And it's especially just as you continue go to go throughout the book, like through the second movie as well. I just feel like Lupin and Tonks really get kind of shafted. And so if you've only watched the movies up through this point, I feel like you're kind of missing out on their relationship. And like, I feel like you'd be kind of confused and kind of be like, okay. Whereas if you read the books when they die, you're like heartbroken because you know everything and you're like, they've And it's still sad in the movie because you still know that they're leaving behind a kid and it's almost like, you know, a hairy situation all over again. But But it's it's just not quite the same. It's still sad. And then when Harry gets made the godfather, like, it's so much more impactful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because from the third movie, you can kind of, you know, you see a relationship form between Harry and Sirius. But not Sirius. Mm -hmm. Good night, Lupin. Um, But Remus is in the books a lot more even after the third. And he's not included in the in the movies as much. So, yeah. yeah, the the fact that Harry gets chosen to be Teddy's godfather makes a lot more sense and is more impactful as well from a book perspective. Yeah. OK, uh, so I do have a couple honorable mentions before we get to our number ones. As do I. So, <laughs> um, One of them is uh, the Dursleys at the beginning, that whole bit. I just felt like it wasn't done right. I so (laughs) wish there would have been 
So I know there is a deleted scene where they show Dudley kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, walking up to Harry and shaking his hand and saying, I don't think you're a waste of space. But in the book, it's like, and I wish so much that they had at least just included that scene in the movie. But in the book, it's like even more impactful because Dudley, like they're trying the wizards because they're not just leaving on their own. They have like wizard and a witch escort are like trying to like get them to go. And Dudley won't leave because he's like, well, what about Harry? What about him? Like, why isn't he coming with us? Why is it like, what's going to happen to him? And it shows this worry. It shows that Dudley actually cared about Harry underneath all of the, you know, serious problems that he had from being brought up horribly. He did have a heart. (laughs) Well, and it talks about, too, how Harry's like, well, yeah, I guess I kind of didn't realize over these past couple of years that Dudley's also gotten older and more mature because the past couple summers, he hadn't really seen him or spent any time with him. Well, in the fifth one, he saves his life. And Dudley mentions that. And then in the summer of the sixth one, he's only there for a short period of time and he spends most of it in his room before leaving. And again, this in this book, he hasn't been there for a very long time and he spent the majority of an of an of it, blah, in his room. Um, yeah, he's been doing a lot it, of it talks about how, like, <laughs> Yeah, and it's just, I don't know, it's What's interesting, interesting it to me, because cool. have you seen the other deleted scene with Petunia? Yeah, that doesn't happen in the book, though. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. Everyone loves that deleted scene, and they're like, it should have been in the movie. And I was like, totally in agreement, because it had been a while since I read the book. And then I read the book, and I was like, oh, that doesn't actually happen. That doesn't track. She, like, goes, she goes to say something, and then she, like, doesn't. Yeah. So I feel like a lot Not of people see that deleted that scene. I don't think it's fitting of Petunia's character, because no. she clearly really didn't care about her sister at all. So it wouldn't have been fitting for her to be all like, you didn't just lose a mother that day. I lost a sister too. And it's like, sister who? <laughs> you still don't care. No. So, yeah. Well, so and I think because like, I feel like a lot eaten. of, a lot of people see that deleted scene, assume it was from the book. And so they're like, oh, mm-hmm. that would have given her like that redemption. And I'm like, nah, she didn't have no redemption. She wasn't eaten up about it really at all. So but no. the Dudley thing would have been really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was one honorable mention. Another one that I have is with when they go to the ministry in the book, Harry goes to Umbridge's office and it has Mad Eye's eye on well, her door. that's in the movie too. But it doesn't show Harry taking it. No, that's true. Yeah. And but so I wish that because Harry... There. Harry does take it, and that's how they know that there are intruders at the ministry is because the eye gets taken. Mm-hmm. And so I wish that they had shown that because it shows Harry is like, uh-uh, like, I respect Moody, and I cared about him, and I refuse to leave this piece of him behind because they never found his body. So that's really all they have of him. Yeah. So I think it could have been like an easy little thing that they easily could have shown. But they didn't. I'm bummed about it. Yeah. No, I I agree. Um, Another thing that I really wish they would have shown is um, Wormtail's silver hand that Voldemort gave him, betraying him and strangling him to death. 
Yeah, it like finally had like a meaning and came full circle. And then they were like, JK. And they don't include it. And I don't understand. It would have been I easy. I mean, for all I, again, it's been a while <laughs> since I've seen the movie. So he might even be in the part two movie because they don't kill him off in the first movie. But in the book, he's oh. he's not there past the scene at the Malfoys because basically through that silver hand that Voldemort gave him, Voldemort kind of like realizes. I don't even know exactly how it works, but it's almost like the hand understands. He betrays Voldemort. And then the hand's like, oh, you betrayed him. I'm going to kill you now. Yeah, exactly. So, um. It can like almost sense his loyalty. Yeah. And so it's just, it came, it comes full circle. Don't trust a gift from Voldemort kind of thing. There's a lot of messages and stuff there. So I, I think that should have been included, but it wasn't, um, a good thing. I absolutely love the way they tell the tale of the three brothers in the movie. The like, yeah, change in animation cool. and stuff. It's so pretty. The smokiness. Awesome. Yeah, they include the entirety of the story, which is good, right? It's important. The, the mm-hmm. book it's freaking called the Deathly Hallows. So, um, yeah, it's almost important. It's almost like it's important or something. <laughs> um, so that's really awesome. Um, I'm glad they kept Frida's book about Dumbledore in the movie and things. They don't go into as much detail. And I understand that they didn't have time to um, because in the book, you learn a lot more, a lot more about Dumbledore's past and his flaws and see a lot more of the frustration and anger that Harry has ab- about Dumbledore and the doubts he has about his relationship um, which mm-hmm. would have been cool to see in the movie, but I, I understand why they couldn't. There was no way. There was no time to include all the nuance of that in the movie. Um, yeah. Umbridge is still the freaking worst. That's true. That actress does a fantastic job being awful. Yeah. Um, and then just the other thing for me is there's so much buildup in the book of, of Ron and Hermione's relationship. Uh-huh. From the very beginning, just cute little things and and Ron comforting Hermione or or having his arm around like just all this build up and 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 tension so that when they, when it finally they finally openly admit their feelings like it it really means something and it's impactful um, and they they do a little bit of that in the movie but they 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 could have done more and showed more and had 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 better foreshadowing there. Yeah, agreed. Um, my last one would probably just be the whole stuff with Dumbledore. I feel like they like talk about it, but it's not quite as explored and it's not shown how upsetting it is to Harry. Mm-hmm. Like Harry's like freaking distraught over it. He like doesn't know what to believe. Half the reason he wants to go to Godric Hollow is just to figure out the truth. Yeah. Like in the movie, the reason he wants to go to Godric's Hollow is just because that's where his parents died. And they, they kind of hint a little bit at, at that. And it's because of like, he wants to talk to Bathilda and stuff. Um, but in the book, it's pretty plainly clear. The, the biggest reason he wants to talk to Bathilda is just because he wants to get the truth about Dumbledore and understand yeah. was he really as good of a person as he thought he was kind of thing. Yeah. And so I wish and like you learn more about Dumbledore's family and like the whole drama there and Mm -hmm. I do wish that that had been more 
explored in the movie just so that people can understand how complex of a character Dumbledore is. I feel like a lot of people watch the movies and they're like, yeah, Dumbledore, the old guy, the Gandalf of and the story. <laughs> J.K. Rowling throws in all this additional information after the fact and people just really yeah. don't like Dumbledore. Um, and I think that's because, yeah, the movie version of him overshadows who he was in the books and he is like, a I don't good person love- and a good wizard in the books. I don't love Dumbledore. Like, he's not my favorite character, but he is a complex, well-written character for sure. Well, yeah, like Snape. Snape is a complex, well-written character, but I freaking hate his guts. Dumbledore is a well-written, complex character, but I don't hate his guts. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Dumbledore is as great as some people say. I'll be honest. Definitely not. But he I can understand up. why Harry would maybe want to name his son after Albus. I can't understand why he'd want to name his son after Severus. We'll get to it later. Yes. That's another point for yes. another time. All right. So that's all <laughs> my honorable mentions. Uh, that's, I'm good. So you can move on to your number cool. one. Okay. So number one, my number one, and the reason why this is my number one, and I think it's worth mentioning, is because the book itself is called The Deathly Hallows. They play a pretty important role in the book. Um, and I, I think they seriously, oh, how does, what's the word I'm looking for? Like undervalued and kind of just like Mm -hmm. skimmed the surface in the movie where they should have hit it a little harder. Yes, they did a fantastic job with the story of the three brothers, And that explanation of, like, the initial explanation of the Deathly Hallows by Xenophilius Lovegood is, like, perfect from the book. Yeah. But then they don't really talk about it or think about it or put any focus on it. Emphasize its importance. And in the book, Harry becomes almost obsessed with the Deathly Hallows. And Mm -hmm. he almost gets torn between, okay, what's more important to find? Because he almost gets in his his head like, okay, it's going to be hollows versus horcruxes. Voldemort's got all these freaking horcruxes. But if I have the deathly hollows on my side and he keeps thinking of, you know, the prophecy that says that one may not survive or one cannot live neither while the other can survives live, kind of neither thing. can live while the other survives yeah and he's like okay well that's that's what's going to give me my chance that's what's going to help me is if i have these deathly hollows and it's this huge thing and he goes through and it's it's actually pretty fantastic actually the way he makes all these connections and the first connection being his cloak is the in is the invisibility cloak from the deathly hollows yes It doesn't fade. The magic abilities don't fade. It doesn't fray. Spells don't affect it. Like, it is a true invisibility cloak. That is made very clear in the book. Unless you had read the book and knew it from the book, you would have no idea in the movie that Harry already owns one of the Deathly Hollows. And you have to, like, in the movie, there's no way to know, like, why does he have it? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the book... His dad was a pure blood wizard, the Potter line, and mm-hmm. you you could connect it to one of the Percival brothers, which the youngest brother of the 
three original brothers in the story, the one who, you know, passed the invisibility cloak to his son. It's been passed down through the family and now Harry has it like. Yeah. Through the family line. <laughs> and so it's. They, they don't put that focus on Harry's like a surety that like the Deathly Hollows are important and that's why. And Dumbledore knew they were important and that's why he put the handwritten symbol in Hermione's book, which then led them yeah. to it. And yep. Um, and it's why Dumbledore did a lot of stuff like he had Draco disarm him and he had. Mm-hmm, because of, of the this, way um, wands switch masters and none of this is explained in the movie. Yeah, because they cut out the scene where they ask um, Ollivander all these questions. Once they rescue mm-hmm. Ollivander from the Malfoy cellar as well, they talk to him and they ask him and they get a better understanding of when you physically or not physically, right? Because you're using your own wand or whatever. But when you actually disarm a wand from someone versus just like stealing it from them, mm-hmm. the, the wand is more likely willing to like bend to your will and accept you as like it's new master kind of thing and that's the way the elder wand has passed hands and masters so you understand that when Voldemort even though he does steal the wand from Dumbledore's grave he's not the one that disarmed Dumbledore so he's still not the true master of the elder wand because Malfoy is the one and then they don't make it clear Harry's wand breaks and he's super bummed about it And he disarms Draco and takes Draco's wand. Since he disarms Draco, who disarmed Dumbledore, that's why Harry is actually the true owner of the Elder Wand. And it's not made clear at all. Because it doesn't (laughs) matter if he disarmed Draco holding the Elder Wand or not. It's... No, it's just... not the uh, way the Elder Wand wand knows. That's not the way the... the, Like, yeah, and it's... You wouldn't understand any of this... Because they don't even attempt it in the movie. But it's like um, so clever and it's such a fun like mystery that you figure out as you're reading the book. And Whoops, I just hit my microphone. Sorry if that was loud. Um, <laughs> it's really cool the way Harry like follows the logic to figure out that Dumbledore was the one that had the Elder mm-hmm. Wand. He doesn't yeah. find out that Dumbledore has it through a vision of Voldemort talking to Gregor- Gregorovich. Grigorovich Mm -mm. doesn't tell Voldemort. No. And Voldemort leaves really ticked off and he kills him because he didn't tell him. Um, Yeah. So Voldemort figures it out for himself, too. That Dumbledore's Mm -hmm. the one that has it. But Harry figures it out and makes the connections. And he also figures out that the ring that. um, And you do see this in the the sixth one the sixth movie, the ring that um, Dumbledore originally destroyed. That was one of the Horcruxes. Mm-hmm. The stone that was cracked. That was one of the Deathly Hollows as well. Yeah, it had the Deathly that Hollows was the resurrection stone. in the book. <clears throat> which and is the in book the explains, Yeah, the book explains how when Harry saw in, and again, this part, but this part wasn't in the movie either. When Harry goes into the Pensieve and sees memories and they see gaunt with this ring and he talks about how he's a direct descendant of the percival family Mm -hmm. you can see etched into the stone the symbol of the deathly hollows yeah 
And so then Harry's like, oh, my gosh, that's got to be it. And then Hermione and Ron are like, well, why did it's destroyed? He's like, I don't care if it's cracked like that. Still, that's had to be what it is. And then he gets this. um, The theory that that must be what's hidden inside the snitch because they don't know what Dumbledore did Mm -hmm. with. But again, it's still all of this discussion, all of this thing. It just shows this huge focus on why the Deathly Hollows are important and how Harry makes all these connections and figures out that this is what he needs to do and use to fight against Voldemort and to finish destroying his Horcruxes and things. Um, Well, yeah, and it's interesting how Dumbledore really did set it up so that Harry would have all three Deathly Hollows and would become, in a way, the master of death, which is funny because he then goes and... I'm jumping into the second one, but whatever. He goes and he quote-unquote dies but then he comes back so it's very interesting to kind of look at it in that way where it's he's able to master death in a way yeah because and that because that's what they say that anybody who wield could wield all three of the deathly hallows would be yeah he they would be the conqueror of death so yeah it's interesting it's like the name of the freaking book (laughs) which is why i'm like why did you brush over it so much? It, it reminded me very much so, actually, of in the sixth one, where they kind of just kind of brushed over the whole Half-Blood Prince thing. And I'm like, it's the name of the book. It's kind of important. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, not to mention that, again, because they split this into two parts, y- you still have to lay the foundations for things that happen in the next one, in the next yeah. movie. And yeah. the Deathly Hollows... Uh, you know, they're important in the rest of the book and in the remainder of the story. So quite, quite important. So, yeah, that that's my number one, that the hollows aren't really explained, like the importance of the hollows and the connection of the hollows aren't really explained very well. They mm-hmm. th- themselves are explained. Sure. You know what they are. The story is told in a really good way, like I said. But um, that's about it. So, yeah. What is yours? So mine is a uh, it's a part one, just like the movie, because I'm going to have to go through part two when we talk about the second one. It is the (laughs) significance of the character deaths and how they are not quite as impactful in the movie. So not maybe only the because lack of, of significance in the movie versus yes, like <laughs> but it's not only this movie's fault. Like I'm gonna be jumping back callbacks to all the rest of our episodes, but I have a list of all the deaths in front of me, and let me just run you through them and my issues with pretty much every single one. <laughs> so the first person to die in the book is Charity Burbage, who is the Muggle Studies teacher at Hogwarts. And she's hanging over the table and she's the one that gets killed. And she's like begging and pleading with Snape to save her. I I'm trying to remember if that's in the movie, how they it do is. that. I mean, it's it's in the movie. And I was actually I remember when I I was actually like pleasantly surprised to see that that is also something they included like the okay. woman floating I thought, over. I remembered like, her. I remember her being killed. Almost, I just couldn't remember. 
if Snape she doesn't was even freaking Snape. care almost. I mean, and who knows if he really did or not, but it does a dang good job at, in the book and in the movie. Acting like he doesn't. Acting like he could not care less. So, yes. Um, then this next one, Hedwig. Oh. <sighs> so I, I didn't things. cry watching the movie, but I cried reading it. <laughs> oh yeah. Even so though I've read it multiple times, still cried. <laughs> one, she is not out flying. She is in her cage between Harry's legs. Yeah, he Hedwig is her. not the reason they know that he's the real Harry. Yeah. They know he's they the real Harry because he uses with a stuffed white owl in it. <laughs> yeah, but no, they know he's the real Harry because he uses a uh, disarming ch- spell against sh- sh- friggin' Shunpike dude. Instead of trying to, like, stun him or kill him or something. Um, but anyways, first of all, I feel like throughout the movies, Hedwig has, I mean, she's a beautiful owl. But they haven't really shown how much Harry relies on her as his one connection to the Wizarding World when he's at home. Mm-hmm. Like, when he's with the Dursleys, Hedwig is his one connection and his one thing that he's like, and it's all real. Compa- it's not a dream. His one, like, full-time companion. Yeah, and it's super sad because Hedwig is, like, super mad at him before they leave because he hasn't been able to let her out and fly. And, like, as he's going around the house being like, do you want to take, like, one last look? And she's just, like, ignoring him. And then she freaking dies. (laughs) And Harry, like, doesn't look because he just refuses to believe that it's real. And then the sidecar falls off. And as it's falling, Harry blows it up. To knock off a couple of the other Death Eaters that are pursuing them, yeah. And he, like, is so sad because he just blew up Hedwig's body. And then, like, when he gets to the burrow, Mrs. Weasley's like, where's Hedwig? We can put her upstairs. And he just ignores her. Like, he can't even bring himself to say it. Because it's just so hard on him. So... I felt like that death was done a disservice because Hedwig was his constant companion and then she died and it was really sad. Um, the Mad-Eye Moody, I think they actually did a decent job because, I mean, it's not like you really see it in the mm-hmm. book either. They just kind of pay respect to him. The only thing there is the significance of the death. I feel like if you just watch the movies, the only time you really saw Mad-Eye was when he was... Not actually Mad Eye <laughs> in the fourth. So you're like kind of confused. And then a little bit like, at the beginning of the sixth one. Sixth, yeah. <laughs> like when they all yeah. fly? That's the sixth one, right? Oh, wait, no, no. No, maybe that's no. the fifth one. That's the fifth. Oh, that's the fifth. That's one. the fifth. So you don't see him like at all in the other ones, but like he is there. He's there I mean, the he's books. not like a. He's not a huge part, but I mean, you know, you get to see him and you get to know him as an actual character of who he actually is, not Barty Crouch Jr. So when he dies, everyone's really, like, choked up about it and really upset. It hits. And it's to the point where it's just everyone is super solemn about it. and, 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 And Harry, especially, you know... He's he already feels really, really bad because George got hurt. And, you know, he takes a lot of this on him because he thinks they're all 
you know, putting their life on the line to protect him because they are. I mean, they're also protecting, yeah. right, like the idea of hope and the wizarding world for the idea of a better future and whatnot. But, um, yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah. So that one was decent. Scrimger, when Scrimger gets killed. I mean, I think they like kind of mention it in the movie. Well, yeah, in they they include Kingsley's message at the wedding, mm-hmm. which is what happens in the book too, where his patronus shows up and says the ministry has fallen, the minister of magic is dead, they are coming. Like that happens yeah, in the book it's very and the dramatic. Movie. The thing though that I thought was interesting in the book is how Harry realizes, or someone tells him, I can't remember the exact details, that if they had known that Harry was at the borough, which Scrimger did know that Harry was at the borough, then mm-hmm. Voldemort would have showed up to kill him at the borough. And so it goes to show that Scrimger, to his last moment, never gave Harry away. Yeah. Which I thought Still was very him, impactful. Even though they disagreed and... Yeah, like he had just argued with him about Dumbledore's will, like the day before. Yeah. And... Then even to the last moment, Scrimgeour Where they was get strong in like a screaming match, like both on their feet, wands out kind of thing in the book. Yeah. Like much Scrimgeour more burns, in the a, movie. <laughs> burns a hole in Harry's shirt, like, and Harry is like shocked and taken aback that Scrimgeour defended him to his last breath, essentially. Yeah. Which I thought was very interesting. And then the next death is Grigorovich. Killed by Voldemort when he learned about the Elder Wand. Um, that one, I, the, that one's not as important. You kind of see it happening. Mm-hmm. Um, Bethilda Bagshot, you kind of like, you know, get the idea that she died because she turns into a freaking snake. <laughs> well, her body thing, was like possessed by a snake. It's like real yes. creepy. <laughs> it's real weird. But the thing with Bethilda Bagshot that you don't quite get in the movie is, I mean, yes, she wrote Hogwarts of History, which is, you know, fun. The History of Magic. Oh, right. Sorry. History of Magic. But she lived in Godric's Hollow for the entire time that both the Dumbledores and the Potters lived there. Mm -hmm. So she knew... She knew the Dumbledores. She knew the Potters. She was Rita Skeeter's inside knowledge about the Dumbledore's past. And you learn that basically Rita Skeeter like gave her Veritaserum and like essentially did trick her into telling her anything anyway. Yes. And so when you figure out that she's kind of all when she's acting all weird and she ends up, you know, actually being dead. It's kind of sad because that was kind of Harry's last hope of getting the truth about yeah. both Dumbledore and more about his family. And it's more sad when you realize that he never got that chance and uh, he just is, There's you no know, he almost dies. Him, yeah. Yeah. Um, Ted Tonks, as we mentioned before, his death is super sad because... He was so sweet, and then they just don't even talk about him. He's killed by Snatchers. Uh, Dirk Cresswell is some dude that gets killed by Snatchers. Oh, that this other, other guy, guy gets killed by Snatchers. Like, yeah. There's another wizard. I don't know his name. That yes. was his name. <laughs> There's a, some guy named Gornook killed by Snatchers. Yeah, that was Peter a Peter Pettigrew. Peter Pettigrew, we talked about 
choked with a silver hand, which, again, was really important because it showed kind of a bit of a redemption for Wormtail. Because like, he's originally choking Harry with that hand. I didn't mention that when I talked about it. Yeah. But and Harry and reminds Harry's, him yeah. that he saved his life. Like he could have killed him in the third one and he didn't. Well, he, could, he wouldn't have killed him himself, but yeah, let him get killed, basically. Yeah, let him be killed. And he didn't. And Wormtail's like, okay, yeah, you're right. And he shows him mercy. And then the hand turns on him and he dies. Yeah. And I feel like it's never quite like emphasized as much how important Wormtail is in the whole martyrs thing. Like he was one of their best friends. Like, oh, well, because that's another thing that's not included. When they're in Grimald Place, Harry goes into Sirius's room and finds oh, yeah, like a letter. letter from his mom. The letter. And pictures. Like there's a picture of him as a baby on this little toy broomstick flying so around cute. with James chasing after him because that was the gift that Sirius sent him for his first birthday. So Lily, in return, sent Sirius like back like a picture this of picture. Harry on it with a letter. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, she says in the she says in the letter, like Wormy came the other day. He's been feeling like he seems a little down. And Harry's like, hmm, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, but he sees a picture of Remus, Sirius, his dad, James and Peter, mm-hmm. like all together, like laughing and and happy and, you know, buddies and it, the picture is still yeah. up on the wall in Sirius's old room. And that's Harry tries else, I guess, to take I it. Forgot about that would have been really cool to see in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was really touching. So then, yeah, again, Peter Pettigrew's death is not quite as impactful. Uh, Grindelwald's death. Um, I mean, you see him die, but I feel like you don't really get like the importance of who he is, you know? Because you no, never they don't about really go into the Dumbledore Grindelwald relationship as much. Yeah. No, and I know they like are trying to do that in the Fantastic Beasts, yeah, but I, like, I kind of like movies now. But I still don't like it that much. Anyway, <laughs> so that one was another death that's not as impactful because you're like, who the freak was this guy? <laughs> um, Dobby. This this will be the last one that I'll talk about. Um, because it, but then the next one I'll have to talk about next episode, but Dobby, if you have just watched the movies, you vaguely remember Dobby at this point because he has popped up a couple times. As you mentioned, they had him pop up in this movie with Creature to kind of like remind you who Dobby is before he dies. (laughs) Yeah. Because in the actual book series he's in almost every single book like he shows up and helps harry out a lot throughout the series and he is super helpful and harry's so grateful for him Mm -hmm. and treats him like a friend and it's super sweet so then when dobby comes and rescues them and it, it gets killed it's so so sad because you've created this connection with this character because you've seen him more than once. You've seen <laughs> him 
frequently from the second book. Yeah. Like that's from, a long time. That's it's a it's a lot. He's in a lot of them. He's helped him a lot. But they take out And the, he has more know, of a personality. In the one, Dobby's not there to help. You know, Dobby's not the one that gives him the gillyweed like he does in the book. It they give mm-hmm. that to Neville and things. Like you don't realize just how much, yeah, Dobby has helped Harry and saved his life like multiple times. So Yes. And then he and so, dies saving Harry once again. Yeah. And it's ironic because at the end of the second, Harry says, don't ever try to save my life again. Yeah. And you're like, oh. <laughs> and it's super and you cry. sad. And you cry a lot. And I feel like a mm-hmm. lot of people who have only seen the movies are kind of like, whatever, when Dobby dies, because they just think he's kind of annoying. And they're like, well, yeah, they're okay, still, they're, whatever. They're still sad, right? Like, it's still, it still gets to me. It's still, it's still sad when he dies in the movie. I don't know. I've had a lot of people who have only seen the movies say they never really liked Dobby, so they didn't really care. Okay, well, then and I was like, those are that's heartless rude. people. <laughs> They're heartless and they don't get it. <laughs> um, and and so, books. yes, but so again, I'm going to go into this more in the next episode, I'm sure, because there's a lot more deaths coming that I think are yeah. done a which, disservice. Which, while it's sad, and I, 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 a lot of people get really mad and they give the seventh book a bad, like, rep because of that. But it's a war. Yeah. You're going to have casualties on both sides. Yeah. It wouldn't be as compelling of a story. It wouldn't have been as realistic. It wouldn't have been as memorable and as, as impactful of a story as it was if nobody we cared about died. Well, and the whole book, I mean, it's called The Deathly Hollows. There's all about, like, there's the story with death. Like, mm-hmm. the whole book has a strong theme of death and dealing with it and what happens and if you try to run away from and, it yeah. from versus t- facing it head on and accepting that it's a part of life and, you know, having loved ones pass on. It's like... Well, but also, this very, is something that they don't touch on in the movie, but in the book, they also touch on especially after Hermione and Harry visit his parents' um, grave in Godric's Hollow, mm-hmm. the idea of life after death and uh-huh. living on with your loved ones in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. So. Which so, yeah. I think is a very important topic. Oh, and one last thing. With that, when they visit Godric, Godric's Hollow, I do wish they had had the memorial there to Harry's parents. Mm-hmm. Or at I least included it was very the plaque. Something. I thought it was because so sweet and so yeah. cute and so touching. So for those who haven't read the book, when they go to Godric's Hollow, there is a, what looks like a normal statue at first, and then like it magically transforms, because you know magic stuff, into a statue of Harry's parents. Um... With, with Harry? Do they have Harry? I believe they do. Yeah, they're holding a little baby. Lily yeah. has a little baby Harry in her arms. And then at the house, there's a plaque that is like essentially says like this is the place of the like where this happened. And then on it is all of these handwritten notes from people that are like, 
keep going. You've got this. Like, we believe in you. And it's like this sense of support that Harry so desperately needed in that moment. And it's so cute. And I wish they had had it. So, yes, that is my number one, part one. (laughs) We'll get part two next time. (laughs) Again, still very good movie. Oh, yeah. Very enjoyable. And for the most Mm -hmm. part, extremely loyal to the book. Mm -hmm. With some weird things that they could have done better. And of course, that's what we're going to focus on because that's the point of our podcast. Okay. (laughs) We've got. So we. Some fan faux pas. Yes. You go first. I, I have one, too. So. Okay. So we have one from Marley G. Who said, I want Phineas Nigelis Black. He played such an important role. And then she goes on to say, however, the animation for the Tale of the Three Brothers never gets old. Probably my favorite part of any of the movies. And I agree. That animation is dope. Like, if I could just watch that part, I think it's super cool. Um, But with the Phineas Nigelis Black, for those who don't remember who he is, because I also had forgotten who he was. Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) That is the the portrait of... Sirius's, Sirius's uncle. Is like great uncle or something. Yeah. Great uncle. Who and was there's a, a previous um, headmaster of Hogwarts. Headmaster. So there's a portrait of him in the headmaster study at Hogwarts. And then there's another one in Grimmauld Place. And the guy can jump between the portraits to mm-hmm. like relay information. So Hermione takes the one from Grimmauld Place into her magic Mary Poppins bag. And... Um, they are actually able to use his portrait to get information about Hogwarts later on, which is really cool and like a really interesting way of connecting it. And he's kind of mm-hmm. a funny dude, too. So it is a bummer that we didn't get to see him. I thought it was a really clever way for them to have that connection to Hogwarts in the movie. They just kind of like know stuff. <laughs> yeah. Marley always has Real good insight. Yes. Because Phineas Nigelis also, he's in previous books slash movies. Well, but he's not in the yes. movies. But he's in previous no. books as well. But he's not in the movies at all. Dang it, I just hit my mic stand again. So hopefully that wasn't loud. So um, I have one <laughs> from Brittany G. And... She says, we need details. When we want a book turned into a movie, we want details, not two hours of what they think is important and adding stuff that doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, and I mean, we've kind of touched on that, right? <laughs> Where yeah, just, just they, a bit. they add things that were never in the books and then don't include details that are very impactful and important to the fans and the audience. And and when you're making a very popular book series or, you know, standalone book into a movie, you you do need to keep in mind that you are making it for a specific audience. Yeah. Like, yeah, you want to pull in people who also haven't read the books, but you got to keep in mind that audience, you know? Yeah. But. Because they're going to be your biggest critics. 
Mm -hmm. So you got to expect some criticism when you're doing a disservice to such an amazing franchise that had already done so well in the past. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, that was part one. Yep. In two weeks, we will discuss part two. Mm -hmm. And be done with Harry Potter. No, so bittersweet. Um, We will, we still haven't firmly decided on what book we're doing next. But I have an idea. But we'll, we'll, we'll for sure know by the end of next episode. So (laughs) yeah, we'll let you know next time what to prep for. Um, In two weeks, we will finish off, hopefully finish Harry Potter off strong and do him justice and mm-hmm. so uh in the meantime wait but are you gonna are you gonna ask the question oh yeah duh oh my gosh forgot the, the you know the the name of the podcast the most important thing <laughs> okay well then the most important question that i almost totally forgot and it's the whole point of this freaking podcast that it's our title of the podcast yes. Taylor, <laughs> was the book better yes the first half was definitely better than this movie because it was, I mean, they were ambitious trying to fit 400 pages into this movie. So like I said at the beginning, right? Yeah, it's like, it's like twice as much stuff crammed into this first movie than the second one. So, but, and, and while I agree, yeah, the book was, was definitely better. It's not as big of a margin as previous ones. No. Like that is the, fair. the movie is still, like we said, very good. So, mm-hmm. okay. And with that, with that, we, we will now end. leave you <laughs> until next time. <laughs> yes. So, um, good night.